Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living a Course in Miracles. This is episode 21, chapter 21, Reason and Perception. Welcome back. My email is trifectanow3 at gmail.com. Perception is a result and not a cause. Perception is a result and not a cause. This statement suggests that what we see, we make true for ourselves. You see what you want to see. That is a difficult idea to digest, but think how true it really is. It is all based on how you perceive the world around you. We have all experienced times when confronted with someone else's perception and being open to consider it, we've thought, hmm, I never thought of it that way. We're starting on page 445, and it starts with the introduction at the top. You give meaning to the world you see. It is your perception that shapes it and your interpretation that determines how you react to it. Paragraph one says projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it, nothing more than that. But though it is more than that, it is not less. Therefore, to you, it is important. It is the witness to your state of mind, the outside picture of an inward condition. As a man thinketh, so does he perceive. Therefore, seek not to change the world, but choose to change your mind about the world. Perception is a result and not a cause. And that is why order of difficulty in miracles is meaningless. Everything looked upon with vision is healed and holy. Nothing perceived without it means anything. And where there is no meaning, there is chaos. Paragraph 2, sentence 7 at the bottom says, The world you see but shows you how much joy you have allowed yourself to see in you and to accept as yours. And if this is its meaning, then the power to give it joy must lie within you. The next section is called The Forgotten Song. It's at the bottom of page 445. I wrote, You do not see. Your cues for references are wrong. We see doors closed because it's what we want to see. We imagine we cannot obtain something because we tell ourselves we cannot. Perception plays a key role in what we do in this world. On page 445, I didn't highlight anything in paragraph 1, but in paragraph 2, it starts with how foolish is it to attempt to judge what could be seen instead. It is not necessary to imagine what the world must look like. It must be seen before you recognize it for what it is. You can be shown which doors are open, and you can see where safety lies, and which ways lead to darkness, which to light. Judgment will always give you false directions, but vision shows you where to go. Why should you guess? Paragraph 3 says, There is no need to learn through pain, and gentle lessons are acquired joyously and are remembered gladly. What gives you happiness you want to learn and not forget is not this you would deny. Your question is whether the means by which this course is learned will bring to you the joy it promises. If you believe believed it would, the learning of it would be no problem. You are not a happy learner, yet because you still remain uncertain that vision gives you more than judgment does, and you have learned that both you cannot have. Paragraph 4, sentence 5 says, 
they do not understand the lessons that less the lessons keep them blind this they do not believe and so they keep the world they learned to see in their imagination believing that their choice is that or nothing they hate the world they learn through pain and everything they think is it in it serves to remind them that they are incomplete and bitterly deprived Paragraph 5 says, thus they define their life and where they live, adjusting to it as they think they must, afraid to lose the little that they have. And so it is with all who see the body and all they have and all their brothers have. The next page, 447, paragraph 8 says, beyond the body, beyond the sun and stars, past everything you see and yet somehow familiar is an arc of golden light that stretches as you look into a great shining circle, and all the circle fills with light before your eyes. The edges of the circle disappear, and what is in it is no longer contained at all. The light expands and covers everything, extending to infinity, forever shining, and with no break or limit anywhere. Within it, everything is joined in perfect continuity. Nor is it possible to imagine that anything could be outside, for there is nowhere that the light is not. Paragraph 9, sentence 4 says, Accept the vision that can show you this and not the body. You know the ancient song and know it well. Nothing will ever be as dear to you as is this ancient hymn of love the Son of God sings to his Father still. On the next page, which is 448, it's called the responsibility for sight. This course is simple. If you let go of all that you think you know and believe, consider the information and ask yourself if this really could be what this is all about. So paragraph two says, this is the only thing that you need to do for vision, happiness, release from pain and the complete escape from sin all to be given you. Say only this, but mean it with no reservations, for here the power of salvation lies. And this little thing says, I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. It's difficult. <laughs> I know when reading that, particularly the last part, everything that has happened to me, we've asked for. It seems almost impossible. Deceive yourself no longer that you are helpless in the face of what is done to you. Acknowledge, but that you have been mistaken and all effects of your mistakes will disappear. So the suggestion here is that you didn't ask for it in the sense in this world that you that you went out to seek that but it was part of the journey you're on it was part of something you needed to go through so whether you learned from that at that moment or not or will learn in the future that's what it's referring to here paragraph three says it is impossible the son of god be merely driven by events outside of him it is impossible that happenings that come to him were not his choice his power of decision is the determiner of every situation in which he seems to find himself by chance or accident. No accident nor chance is possible within the universe as God created it, outside of which is nothing. Suffer and you decide it sin was your goal. Be happy and you gave the power of decision to him who must decide for God for you. 
This is the little gift you offer to the Holy Spirit. And even this he gives to you to give yourself. For by this gift is given you the power and release to release your Savior that he may get sorry, that he may give salvation unto you. Paragraph four, sentence two says, Withhold it, and you keep the world as now you see it. Give it away, and everything you see goes with it. Never was so much given for so little. In the holy instant, in this exchange, affected and maintained. Here, on the next page, 449, is the world you do not want brought to the one you do. Paragraph 5 says, The world you see is but the idle witness that you were right. This witness is insane. You trained it in its in its testimony, and as it gave it back to you, you listened and convinced yourself that what you saw was true. You did this to yourself. See only this, and you will also see how circular the reasoning on which your seeing rests. Paragraph 6, perhaps you do not see the need for you to give this little offering. Look closer then at what it is, and very simply see in it the whole exchange of separation for salvation. All that the ego is, is an idea that is possible that things could happen to the Son of God without his will, and thus without the will of his Creator, whose will cannot be separate from his own. Paragraph 7 at the bottom, sentence 6, says, All that is asked of you is to make room for truth. You are not asked to make or do what lies beyond your understanding. All you are asked to do is let it in. Only to stop your interference with what will happen of itself. Simply to recognize again the presence of what you thought you gave away. The next page, which is 450, the top sentence too says, The holy instant is not an instant of creation, but of recognition. For recognition comes a vision and suspended judgment. Then only is it possible to look within and see what must be there, plainly in sight, and wholly independent of inference and judgment. Undoing is not your task, but it is up to you to welcome it or not. Faith and desire go hand in hand, for everyone believes in what he wants. Paragraph 11 says, on that same page, says, It is as needful that you recognize you made the world you see, as that you recognize that you did not create yourself. They are the same mistake. Nothing created, not by your creator, has any influence over you. Uh, sentence 5 in that same paragraph says, For if you think the world you made has power to make you what it wills, you are confusing son and father, effect and source. On the next page, page 451, paragraph 13 says, Yet the truth is you and your brother were both created by a loving father, who created you together as one. See what proves otherwise, and you deny your whole reality. The next section is called Faith, Belief, and Vision. On that same page, I wrote, The Holy Spirit's one job is to change what you accept as true and show you the truth. She cannot just do this. You must willingly give up all that you believe to be true and make, and make way for what really is. 
I started at paragraph two, sentence four. No one allows a purpose to be replaced while he desires it. For nothing is so cherished and protected as is a goal the mind accepts. This it will follow, grimly or happily, but always with faith and with the persistence that faith inevitably brings. Paragraph three at the very bottom says, Why is it strange to you that faith can move mountains? This, page 452, is indeed a little feat for such a power. For faith can keep the Son of God in chains as long as he believes he is in chains. And when he is released from them, it will be simply because he no longer believes in them, withdrawing faith that they can hold him and placing it in his freedom instead. Paragraph 4 says, Faith and belief and vision are the means by which the goal of holiness is reached. Through them, the Holy Spirit leads you to a real world and away from all illusions where your faith was laid. Sentence six in that same paragraph says, and when you have accepted them completely instead of yours, you will have need, you will have need of them no longer. For faith and vision and belief are meaningful only before the state of certainty is reached. In heaven, they are unknown, yet heaven is reached through them. Paragraph 6, sentence 6 at the bottom says the Holy Spirit sees perception as a means to teach you that the vision of a holy relationship is all you want to see. Then will you give your faith to holiness, desiring and believing in it because of your desire. Paragraph 7 says faith and belief become attached to vision as all the means that once served sin are redirected now towards holiness for what you think is sin is limitation and whom you try to limit to the body you hate because you fear. In your, That's the next page, two, 453 at the top says, in your refusal to forgive him, you would condemn him to the body because the means for sin are dear to you. And so the body has your faith and your belief. But holiness would set your brother free, removing hatred by removing fear, not as a symptom, but as its, but at its source. Paragraph 9, sentence 2 says, Brother, the Holy Spirit knows that sacrifice brings nothing. He makes no bargains. And if you ask to limit him, you will hate him because you are afraid. The gift that he has given you is more than anything that stands this side of heaven. The instant for its recognition is at your hand. Or sorry, is at hand. <laughs> Join your awareness to what has been already joined. Paragraph 10 says, Your faith and sacrifice has given it great power in your sight, except you do not realize you cannot see because of it. For sacrifice must be exacted of a body and by another body. The mind would neither ask it nor receive it of itself and no more could the body the intention is in the mind which tries to use the body to carry out the means for sin in which the mind believes the next page which is page 454 the fear to look within fear is within it does not exist in the external world it is created by you and experienced externally you can remove all fear just by letting it go it is that simple i did it and my life has changed 
for the better as a result. And it is simply letting it go. The Holy Spirit, sorry, paragraph one says, the Holy Spirit will never teach you that you are sinful. Errors he will correct, but this makes no one fearful. You are indeed afraid to look within and see the sin you think is there. Paragraph two says, remember that the ego is not alone. Its rule is tempered and its unknown enemy whom it cannot even see it fears. Loudly, the ego tells you not to look inward, for if you do, your eyes will light on sin and God will strike you blind. This you believe, and so you do not look. Yet this is not the ego's hidden fear, nor yours who serve it. The next page, 455, paragraph 4, sentence 5, says the Holy Spirit's purpose was accepted by the part of your mind the ego knows not of. No more did you. And yet this part, with which you now identify, is not afraid to look upon itself. It knows no sin. How otherwise could it have been willing to see the Holy Spirit's purpose as its own? Paragraph 5 says, This part has seen your brother and recognized him perfectly since time began, and it desired nothing but to join with him and to be free again as once it was. It has been waiting for the birth of freedom, the acceptance of release to come to you. Paragraph 6 says, There is no inconstancy in what the Holy Spirit teaches. This is the reasoning of the sane. You have perceived the ego's madness and not made and not been made aware, oh sorry, and not been made afraid because you do not choose to share in it. At times it still deceives you, yet in your saner moments its rantings strikes no terror in your heart. Page 456, the top of the page, paragraph 5 says, <laughs> I just made up that. Paragraph 8 says, look gently on your brother and remember the ego's weakness is revealed in both your sight. What it would keep apart has met and joined and looks upon the ego unafraid. Little child, innocent of sin, follow in gladness the way to certain certainty. And sentence 8, the very bottom says, the quiet way is open. Follow it happily and question not what must be so. The function of reason. I did not write anything here, so I'm just going to go to paragraph one. Sentence seven says, perception is a choice and not a fact. But on this choice depends far more than you may realize as yet. For on the voice you choose to hear and on the sights you choose to see depends entirely on your whole belief in what you are. Perception is a witness, but to this and never to reality. Yet it can show you the conditions in which awareness of reality is possible or those where it could never be. Paragraph 2 says reality needs no cooperation from you to be itself, but your awareness of it needs your help because it is your choice. Listen to what ego says and see what it directs you to see, and it is sure that you will see yourself as tiny, vulnerable, and afraid. Paragraph, I mean, sentence five says, you will believe that you are helpless prey to forces far beyond your own control and far more powerful than you. And you will think the world you made directs your destiny. For this will be your faith, but never believe because it is your faith. It makes reality. Paragraph three says, there is another vision and another voice in which your freedom lies waiting, but your choice. 
and if you place your faith in them, you will perceive another self in you. This other self sees miracles as natural. They are as simple and as natural to it as breathing to the body. They are the obvious response to calls for help and the only one it makes. That's on the next page, 457. Sentence 8 says, But minds cannot be separate. This other self is perfectly aware of this, and thus it recognizes that miracles do not affect another's mind, only its own. They always change your mind. There is no other. Paragraph 5 says, God's plan for your salvation could not have been established without your will and your consent. Sentence 4 in that same paragraph says, Therefore, what joined the will of God must be in you now, being e eternal. You must have set aside a place in which the Holy Spirit can abide and where he is. Sentence 7 says, Such would your reason tell you if you listened. Yet such is clearly not e the ego's reasoning. Paragraph 6 says, God's plan is simple, never, circ uh, never circular and never self-defeating. He has no thoughts except the self-extending, and in this you, your will must be included. Thus, there must be a part of you that knows his will and shares it. Paragraph 7, sentence 3 at the bottom says, Your identity is much as true effect of this same source as is the answer. Must therefore, page 458, be together and the same. Oh yes, you know this, and more than this alone. Yet any part of knowledge threatens disassociation as much as all of it. Paragraph 8 says, Faith and perception and belief can be misplaced and serve the great deceiver's needs as well as truth. For reason has no place at all in madness, nor can it be adjusted to fit its end. Faith and belief are strong in madness, guiding perception towards what the mind has valued. But reason enters not at all in this. Paragraph 9 says, The part of the mind where reason lies was dedicated by your will in union with your fathers to the undoing of insanity. Here was the Holy Spirit's purpose accepted and accomplished both at once. Reason is alien to insanity, and those who use it have gained a means which cannot be applied to sin. Paragraph 10, sentence 4 says, Faith and belief upheld by reason cannot fail to lead the changed perception. Sorry, lead to changed perception. And in this change is a room made way for vision. Vision extends beyond itself, as does the purpose that it serves, and all the means for its accomplishment. The next page, which is 459, is reason versus madness. Yes, I did not say anything here either. These uh, quotes say it all, so I didn't feel the need to add anything more. Paragraph 1 says, Reason cannot see sin, but can see errors, and leads to their correction. It does not value them, but their correction. Reason will also tell you that when you think you sin, you call for help. Paragraph 2, sentence 4 says, Who looks upon himself as guilty and sees a sinless world? And who can see a sinful world and look upon himself, look upon himself apart from it? Sin would, would maintain you and your brother must be separate. But reason tells you that this must be wrong. If you and your brother are joined, how could it be that you have private thoughts? And how could thoughts that enter into what, what seems like yours alone have no effect at all on what is yours? If minds are joined, this is impossible. Paragraph 3, sentence 7 says, 
You do not leave insanity by going somewhere else. You leave it simply by accepting reason where madness was. Madness and reason see the same things, but it is certain that they look upon them differently. Paragraph 460. Uh, sorry, page 460. <laughs> Paragraph 5. The body does not separate you from your brother, and if you think it does, you are insane. But madness has a purpose and believes it also has the means to make its purpose real. To see the body as a bearer, barrier between the re what reason tells you must be joined, must be. Nor could you see it if you heard the voice of reason. Paragraph 7 says, Neither your brother nor yourself can be attacked alone, but neither can accept the miracle instead without the other being blessed by it and healed of pain. Reason, like love, would reassure you and seeks not to frighten you. The power to heal the Son of God is given you because you must be one with you. He must be one with you. You are responsible for how he sees himself. Sentence 8 says, The instant that you choose to let yourself be healed, in the same instant is the his wholeness, his whole salvation seen as complete with yours. Reason is given you to understand that this is so. For reason, pined as its purpose for which it is the means, leads steadily away from madness towards the goal of truth. On the next page, 461, paragraph 9 says, You are your brother's savior. He is yours. Reason speaks happily indeed of this. This gracious plan was given love by love, and what love plans is like itself in this. Being united, it would have you learn what you must be, and being one with it, it must be given you and give what it was given and give still. Lots of giving there. Paragraph 10 says the Son of God is always blessed as one. And as his gratitude goes out to you who bless him, reason will tell you that it cannot be you stand apart from blessing. Paragraph 11 says the power you have over the Son of God is not a threat to his reality, but it but attests to it. Where could his freedom lie but in himself if he be free already? And who could bind him but himself if he deny his freedom? God is not mocked. No more his son can be imprisoned saved by his own desire, and it is by his own desire that he is freed. Such is his strength and not his weakness. He is at his own mercy, and where he chooses to be merciful, there he is free. But where he chooses to condemn instead, there he is held, a prisoner waiting in chains, his pardon on himself is not being free. The next section is called the last unanswered question. Oh, I don't have anything to say there either. Paragraph 1 at the bottom says, Do you not see that all your misery comes from the strange belief that you are powerless? Being helpless is the cost of sin. Helplessness is sin's condition, and the one requirement that it demands to be believed. Only the helpless can believe in it. Next page, 462. Paragraph 2 says, No one believes the Son of God is powerless, and those who see themselves as helpless must believe they are not the Son of God. What can they be except his enemies? And what can they do but envy his power and by their envy make themselves afraid? On page 463, sentence 5 says, Reason would surely bid him seek no longer what is not there to find. 
Yet first he must be willing to perceive a world where it is not. It is not necessary that he understand how he can see it, nor should he try. For if he forces on what he cannot understand, he, he will but emphasize his helplessness, and let sin tell him that his enemy must be himself. But let him only ask himself these questions, which he must decide to have it done for him. And the first question is, do I desire a world I rule instead of one that rules me? Second, do I desire a world where I am powerful instead of helpless? Third, <coughs> sorry, do I desire a world in which I have no enemies and cannot sin? And lastly, and do I want to see what I denied because it is the truth? Paragraph 6, sorry, 7 says, Forget not that the choice of sin or truth, helplessness or power, is the choice of whether to attack or heal. For healing comes of power and attack of helplessness. Whom you attack, you cannot want to heal. And whom you have healed must be the one you chose to be protected from attack. Parag uh, sentence 8 in that same paragraph says, This is a course in cause and not effect. Page 464. The top says, Sorry, at the bottom of the previous page. Oh, it just asked another question to simply ask yourself. In the top of that page, it says, Is this what I want to see? Do I want this? And this is a, cool, a very important question to ask yourself in terms of how you see yourself and how you see the world we live in. Paragraph 9 says, This is your one decision. This is the condition for what occurs. It is irrelevant how it happens, but not to why. You have control of this. And if you choose to see a world without an enemy in which you are not helpless, the means to see it will be given you. Paragraph 10 says, why is the final question so important? Reason will tell you why. It is the same as are the other three, except in kind. The others are decisions that can be made and then unmade and made again. The truth is constant and implies a state where vacillations are impossible. You can desire a world you rule that rules you not and change your mind. You can desire to exchange your helplessness for power and lose the same desire as a little glint of sin attracts you. And you can want to see a sinless world and let an enemy tempt you to use the body's eyes and change what you desire. Paragraph 11 says, in content, all the questions are the same. For each one asks if you're willing to exchange the world of sin for what the Holy Spirit sees. Since it is this world of sin denies. So it's this world of sin denies. And therefore those who look on sin are seeing the denial of the real world. Paragraph 11, uh, no, that was 11, sorry, 13 at the bottom says elusive happiness or happiness in changing form that shifts in time and place is an illusion that has no meaning. Happiness must be constant because it is attained by giving up the wish for the inconstant. Joy cannot be perceived except through constant vision, and constant vision can be given only through only given only those who wish for constancy. The next page, 465, is called the inner shift. I wrote, it's time to let this information guide you. An inner shift must occur for you to view yourself and the world with different eyes. Paragraph one says, 
are thoughts then dangerous? To bodies, yes. The thoughts that seem to kill are those that teach the thinker that he can be killed. And so he dies because of what he learned. He goes from life to death, the final proof he valued the inconstant more than the constancy. Surely he thought he wanted happiness, yet he did not desire it because it was the truth, and therefore must be constant. Paragraph 3 says, Reason will tell you that you cannot ask for happiness inconstantly. For if what you desire you receive, and happiness is constant, then you need ask for it but once to have it always. And if you do not have it always, being what it is, you did not ask for it. On the next page, 466, which is the last page of this chapter, paragraph 5 says, What is the holy instant that God's appeal to you to recognize what he has given you? Here is the great appeal to reason, the awareness of what is always there to see, the happiness that could be always yours. Here is the constant peace you could experience forever. Here is what denial has denied revealed to you. And here the final question is already answered and what you ask or given. Here is the future now. The here they're referring to every time I say this is right now, this moment. Here is the future now. For time is powerless because of your desire for what will never change. For you have asked that nothing stand between the holiness of your relationship and your awareness of its holiness. This is the end of chapter 21 of Course of Miracles. These chapters are now moving, these last chapters are now moving closer um, towards summing up all that has been shown along the way. They ask that you shift to this new awareness and start living your life in the now. Finding the holy instant every day and letting your mind decide what is true for you with the knowledge that what you see is not necessarily what is true. This is our journey. Keep finding your way. Have a joy-filled week, and until next week, always love, Denise.